Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to The Andy Rowe Show. James Smith is one of the world's leading online fitness instructors and he's known for his no-nonsense and often polarizing opinions. You're going to hear what happened when he used steroids back in the day, what's behind his ongoing beef with Joe Wicks, his thoughts on transgender athletes and his method for building his social media following. I hope you enjoy the episode. We've got a couple of sponsors on board that are helping us out this season and I've got a couple of discounts for you so listen up because it's basically free money. We've got the award-winning Pat Coffee, which is some of the best tasting coffee I've ever had. I'm not just making it up. They actually won the Great Taste 2020. Get onto one of their subscription plans, and they'll package it up so it fits through your letterbox. They're 100% sustainable, and with my code, you can get five quid off your first bag. Go to patcoffee.com, that's P-A-C-T coffee.com, and enter the code Andy Rowe at the checkout. That code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan, so it's just for new customers. In season one, you might have heard my neuroscientist interview, and she spoke a lot about gut health and how it affects your brain. And if you haven't heard it, make sure you go back and have a listen. It's amazing. She's amazing. Anyway, we've got Suns on board. They're a men's health brand, and they've got Suns Live Bacteria Supplement, which is clinically proven to treat digestive problems and improve your gut health. It's one of the most studied bacteria in the world, and in one study in particular, it helped 8 out of 10 people, so it's good stuff. So go and check it out at suns.co.uk and use the code ANDY25 to get 25 quid off your first order, and you'll be supporting the podcast and the work we do, which is much appreciated. James Smith, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thank you very much for having me. The James Smith Academy is flying, mate. How did, how did all that come about? Because like, you didn't just stumble across being a PT, did you? So I was a personal trainer in a lovely part of the UK called Bracknell for uh, about three, four years. So mm. just normal personal training, uh, servicing clients as per usual. But after about three, four years of that, I had maybe three, 4,000 followers. And I went to Australia and I knew I wanted to travel a bit. I wanted to check out all the cities and see which one I liked before settling there. I went over there and when I was traveling, I kind of just threw out the offer. Anyone want to do online coaching with me? And I'd set up like an email list and... Uh, I got about 10 people back straight away at 50 pounds a week. So I was making 500 pounds a week backpacking. I'm 27. I'm like sharing hostels with big groups of people or whatever. And they're like, what are you doing on your laptop? I was like, oh, I'm, I'm PTing people online. And this was before it even existed. It was chatting to them every day, giving them a program, sending them YouTube videos to all the moves. And when I got to Australia and started in a gym, I didn't really like the gym environment. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So I kind of transitioned to online. I kind of realized that if I created all the videos, did all the demonstrations, made all the programs, I could have an infrastructure behind me to accommodate for any inbound amount of people that wanted to do PT. So I was doing online PT that people had never done, but I also realized that the whole time you're a PT, you feel like you're robbing people. I'm sure if you've ever paid a personal trainer, you feel like you're being robbed. Mm. And the prices that they charge are astronomical. And cheapest PT you're going to get around here is 60 pounds an hour. It's a pound a minute. And I kind of thought, hold on, I can present a solution to the market that kind of undercuts the personal training model, 
but at the same time can appeal to all the people that don't have the luxury of affording PT. And now I'm, now I'm here. When did you kind of realize, if I say a swear word, I'm going to get this many more followers or this much more engagement? So there was uh, lots of trial and error across the years of what we would say, what banged, what didn't bang, uh, what did well, what didn't. And then you have to think about the relevance of the topic and the kind of amount of passion you put into it. Because if you go after the right thing, people resonate with it. And over the years, I always thought to myself, what was the last post I shared? What was the last post I put in front of my friend? Like the book we just spoke about offline. There was an emotion you felt when reading it that made you want to tell me I need it. Mm. How can I get that emotion into people's minds? Mm. What do I need to do? What do I need to say? How do I need to say it? How do I need to present it? If I can get those across, then suddenly you can create virality in your posts. Because I could post something that's really evidence accurate about so many topics. People are going to go, oh, that's interesting. Then it stops. But if I do something that really, when I'm recording it and when I'm creating it in my mind, I've only ever prepped for one video. I just sit, press record and just ramble and rant. And uh, yeah, and then I chop it up afterwards, uh, put it out. And then I can see straight away whether or not I hit that note that was required for that kind of virality. I think there's a word, sycophantic, where you create you create almost chaos because of your own personal benefit. Mm. Uh, so there is an element of that sometimes, but at the same time, I get to do my job. So, yeah. And your shtick a little bit is not only the no bullshit advice. Like you're, you, you never push anything on Instagram, do you? Like as far as you don't sell products, do you? No, so... Um, How do you make money off it? Like? So I've never done a paid post. Uh, I only make money from books in the academy. So that's it. And the events. So for me, I feel that when I started as a personal trainer, I made money through educating. So I was like, I don't want to become removed from that. I don't want to be an advertiser. I don't want to promote someone else's fucking product. And there have been ludicrous money offers, but I think a lot of people in my position misinterpret and hugely underestimate how intelligent their following is. People think, oh, this guy, you know, earns 30 grand a year. He's not intelligent. No, no, no. Humans are are fucking intelligent. Like even the ones that might not have big Instagram followings. And every time someone promotes a product that they have nothing to do with, people clock onto that and they go, I'm just a fucking number in the audience to you. Mm. And I never want someone to associate that with me. I could name several blue tick influencers in London that- Go on. No, no, no. (laughs) Because I like them. (laughs) But one of them, he was like doing a paid promotion with a watch brand. And I was like, oh, that's quite a sick watch. Bang, another watch brand. Oh, jump ship, must have got a paid offer. It's with Huawei now. I was like, the only reason you'd fucking promote Huawei is for money. It's like the Chinese government, motherfucker. You're you're after our data. (laughs) They made the phones illegal because they were stealing data. And like, um, and then I, I look online and I see boom, 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 like six people that I know all promoting a Huawei watch. And I'm like, you guys, come on, fucking hell, like, sell yourselves you're all able able people Mm. and i think people get sick of that after a while and and people see through it but for me like social media we don't you don't get paid for anything i haven't monetized facebook or or youtube because i don't want an advert to slap someone in the face halfway through a video that i'm making a point i'd rather have the opportunity for them to watch 10 of those over the next five years and then go i'm gonna hire this guy or even if they're not interested themselves to go to their sister oh, I've gained loads of weight. Oh, check out that James Smith. You know, like that's more important than me putting an advert up and, and monetizing somehow. 
it's quite a simple idea isn't it yeah it's quite a streamlined this is what i represent this is what i this is how i want to make my money and everything else can take a back seat you like to call out influencers though don't you it's- yeah they're, they're the scum of the earth like and it it sounds bad like you can't categorize everyone with a blue tick some people have had some really valiant kind of reasons as to why they've pertained it but a lot of people are just playing the system and they're like right i'm going to you know photoshop my pics get in and amongst these you've got all these clout chasers who try and wiggle their way into social circles to get status and like one guy i like the guy right and again i won't name him he asked during about a recommendation of where to get a haircut so we sent him to the guy we got a haircut with in london he went in he messaged him on insta he's got a big following blue tick got his haircut and fist bumped the guy and left didn't pay <laughs> and i was like mate you can't be on yachts with a rolex and a six-pack partying up in dubai then go to flipping fulham and get a fade and not pay the guy like how this mentality like that sat with me the whole day like it ruined my day i was like i'm gonna message him doing like don't i've already messaged him i was like no i was like who do people think they are and like i hate that and the promotion of a rubbish absolute rubbish products or you could like selling dog shit or something yeah selling dog shit in a can you can only do it once and the boom bod stuff and i get that for a lot of people they are losing grasp of relevance and you know going on love island for some people is such a short-term decision oh yeah in three months time you have a million followers but in a year's time you're going to have lost 30 percent of them you're going to be sat on your sofa every day looking at your followers in the red zone going why do people hate me why do people not like me why am i not relevant anymore why have the offers stopped coming in they never look at their long-term health of that and it's like someone coming into the room and going you can either have a lot of happiness now for the next three months or, you know, you could have some steady career ahead of you. And so many people are so short-sighted with that. Mm. And I can't imagine what it must be like to be the flash in the pan in your mid-20s and then only decline for the next 15 years. Yeah, true. And the, the percentage of Love Island contestants that actually make a meaningful career out of it afterwards. Like, could you name any? I guess Greg O'Shea is going to the Olympics, isn't he, with Ireland? Oh, is he? I think, well, did he make the team? I know Ireland made the sevens, the, the the Olympics, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is massive, but it's probably about it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, if if one of your friends was like, I've made it through to Love Island, you go, oh my God, it's amazing. But part of me is like, is it? Do you want, like, and, and for me, I'm, I'm very grateful that any social media growth and presence growth, it's been very slow. People, mm. to, to people on the outside, it looks quick. Me and my manager, we text each other every time I grow by a thousand. We race each other, see who's keeping an eye on it first. And then if he beats me too, I'm like, you fucking, you're a dickhead. <laughs> But like if things, your personality and who you are can't grow that quick. With like, imagine primitive minds, we're still very primitive creatures. Like when has someone bounced from not being known to a million people known of them? Not only that, a million people being able to message them. Mm. Like Genghis Khan, fair enough, probably had a lot of people that knew who he was in his time, but they couldn't message him when he was sat on the sofa. They couldn't tweet him. They couldn't write in forums about him online. Mm where these people have full access to it. So although a lot of influencers are wankers purely because they lack integrity, at the same time, people are idealizing a profession only ever seeing the upside and not the downside. And uh, that's what I believe makes social media so toxic because you've got young people growing up now going, I've never been in a private jet. And you're like, you're only thinking that because you're following these guys who are being sponsored by Boohoo or whatever to go to a photo shoot. Oh, I haven't got a six pack. Oh, I haven't got 
thousand pound trainers uh, and all of these things. And I think that it's like a dangerous depiction. When I was growing up, it was be an athlete. Like I always wanted to play rugby for England. I was like, mm. that was what I was aiming towards. Nowadays, kids are growing up going, I want a blue tick. I want to be famous. And you're mm. like, ooh, don't, don't, you don't want that. Yeah. You want to be able to have a one night stand without the Daily Mail sniffing about. <laughs> Do you get told to be kind sometimes though? Well, the thing is, uh, I work with thousands of people at a time on a professional level. Or when I meet people in real life, they know exactly what I'm like. Mm. The only people who think I'm unkind are people that have just seen me for a glimpse and made a decision. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, uh, Not a Diet Book and Not a Life Coach, was so many people would have turned up to my socials and gone, oh, this guy's a prick. And that's fine. And I wanted those people to see the book in Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Waterstones. Go, There's that prick from social media. But I wrote the book with in mind that if they could open it on any page, they'd go, oh, that's interesting. Mm. And then turn to the next page. Go on, I didn't think about that. And then they go, oh, fuck, and we have to buy this prick's book. And by the time they read it, they're like, oh, maybe he's not a prick. <laughs> Do you like, what do you think this, what do you think the solution is for some of the influencers? Cause you talk about creating a, a hostile environment. Is that, do you think that's the solution to try and make them be a little bit more real and authentic? Yeah, I think so. Cause you know, if there's no persecution for their actions, they're not going to stop or change. And I know influencer marketing has been cracked down on mm. ASA is going after some celebrities pretty hard right now. If it's a good product that people believe in, you know, because this is it. People and athletes across the years have been promoting, you know, like, oh, Gillette come through. Hey, we want you to do it. And you're a clean shaven rugby player. Absolutely do it. But in this day and age, there are too many things being offered to people at one time and they're, they're too greedy to say no. And that's where the conflict comes. That's where the problem comes. But the worst is like, I haven't got a problem with someone making a living. But when you're doing fake before and after pictures, when you're Photoshopping mm. and editing your pics, one bird that I called out, had a transformation and I said to her your iPhone got older so the iPhone she had in the before picture was the most recent iPhone and her after picture was four iPhone models before so she's got an old picture that's four years old that photo and she's doing a paid promotion to teenage girls with fucking an old picture and I was like this is bullshit like it was supposed to be like an eight-week transformation I was like I haven't got any kids, but I was like, if I had a fucking daughter and she saw that, mm. this is what I think about all the time. I'm like, if I had a daughter and she's looking at this, I'd be kicking off. Mm. So that's kind of my mentality. It's a tough stance to take as well at the same time because like bullying online is such a, such a big thing. And if you go after someone for promoting something and they come back at you with the hashtag be kind and call you a bully, it's quite disarming, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is the thing at the moment. Everyone's got a card in their pocket. You know, um, have you played Monopoly Deal? No, I haven't. I heard it's great though. It's fucking amazing. So like, uh, I wasn't a fan of the big game, the board game. The Monopoly Deal is so much better. Purely through family arguments. Like. But there's a card in the deck. There's two of them actually called Just Say No. So if someone comes to fuck you up, you just politely just say no. You're like, you bastard. So a lot of people with this bullying thing, they go, this is bad for my mental health. And you're like, whoa. People are playing this mental health card. I was like, you just promoted a product to really ruin the headspace of tens of thousands of young women. Now you're the one in a position with the poor mental health. Like, you, you can't go misleading young people and then pull that one out as soon as I call you out on it. So you got that one. And this week alone with Laurel Hubbard uh, being the first transgender. We'll get to that. And people like straight away go transphobic. I'm like, don't play that card straight away. I've got a valid argument. I'm not discriminating. 
I've used the right gender pronouns for my conversation. You can't use that, you know? And we've seen this over the years as well, where you try and talk about diversity, uh, people go bang, you're a racist. And you just get played these red cards where you just stopped in your track. We're not allowed to have general discussion anymore. Do you find it hard having that polarizing stance where you're like, this is who I am, this is what I represent, people are going to love it or they're going to fucking hate it. Like, how, do you, how do you deal with that, the, the hate? Because surely, surely you rub some people up the wrong way. Yeah, you say how do you deal with the hate? I, I proactively don't. Like, I'll only engage in it if it benefits me. So nice, sycophantic as well. Like the, if I see someone contradict me, criticize me, or they're rude to me, I go, can I use this for personal gain? If yes, I accept it. I screenshot, thank you. If no, I just ignore it. And ultimately I, I decided this for myself when I wanted to be polarizing that I said in one of the, I think it was a not a diet book. I said, if, if I was here for like a family barbecue and the Formula One's on and I see there's like a mixed group of people in the room Someone goes, James, what do you think of Formula One? Okay, it's fucking shit. Now, I might just not find it interesting, but I might as well just back it and go this side of the argument. It's boring, go around, it's the fucking go-karting, it's over, they're overpaid. Most of the room are going to go, this guy's a prick. But then suddenly, I've got three head turns, people go, you know what, mate? You're right. What was your name again? James, nice to meet you. Yeah, we like James, you know what I mean? Then yeah. If I go to every family gathering and have three people that remember my name, it's better than just being the guy going, yeah, it's all right. So it's... It's intentional. And, and again, if 1% of the UK like me, I can be incredibly successful in anything I want to do forever. So, if, mm. and then you've got the whole world and people forget that. They think they need everyone to like them, but there are a lot of people that dislike me. There are a lot of people that are 50-50. They're not slipping off their seat between buying a book or not. And it's more important that I have people that like the polarization and I do it in all areas of my life. I wear budgie smugglers. I have really great brand. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Great brand. Wear speedos. So as soon as I go to a pool party, girls know who's boring and who's not. I wear, I have a mustache because about 20% of women are obsessed with them. Again, you do have a mustache. Yeah. Let me just pick that up. It's a great mustache. Very Mate, I do. It's a bit <laughs> dirty today, but there are about 20% of women who are obsessed with them. Like they, they only admit it to you when they see you. They're like, God, I really like that. So fair enough, 80% of women find it vulgar, but I'm playing the 20%. And then with the big sunglasses and whatever it is, you know, using the C word on socials. Again, they're, especially in Australia, New Zealand, people go, what did he just say? We like this guy. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand, the C word is, is a lot, almost a lot more um, like the, the use of the, the term good cunt. Like you yeah, don't, yeah, you yeah. just don't get that over here or anywhere in the world. But I'm, I'm glad we can say it. That's why I've te- that's why I was taping <laughs> about. Yeah, like in New Zealand, they're like, James, mate, you're actually a good cunt. <laughs> that's like the biggest compliment you can pay someone in New Zealand is calling them a good cunt. Yeah. And over here, it's like, oh my God, what'd they just say? But this is the thing that I think, I think the majority of British people love it. Yeah. But you only hear about the people that are expressed in their dislike. You say it to a room of like a thousand people. You got three people. Oh my God, what did he say? My ears are bleeding. The rest are like, oh, love that word. Like people, when they stub their toe, they're like, oh, I can't. You know, it makes them feel good when they say it. But we have all of these cultures that only exist behind closed doors because mm. people are too scared to talk out. The second Laurel Hubbard went up on TV, everyone was like, that is wrong. Go on social media. I looked on social media. I was like, no one's talking about this. This is my perfect opportunity mm. to polarize. Perfect. Let's talk about Laurel Hubbard then. Yeah. What are your thoughts? So let's just give some people some background for a start. So Laurel Hubbard uh, was a male 
junior weightlifting champion in New Zealand, then um, gender transitioned to a female, came second in the world championships, cleaned up some other competitions and is now competing at the Tokyo Olympics in the weightlifting in the female category. My first concern was with the 21-year-old Kiwi female who missed out on the spot. Now, that must be devastating. Like, no one's talking about her. And I was like, one of my best friends, a guy called Sonny Webster, is a GB weightlifting Olympian. And I know how much that meant to him. Like, uh, the video of him, when he qualified at the weightlifting championship, I've never seen it. It's giving me goosebumps now thinking about it. Like, he got to go to the Olympics. He came, like, 14th. But he doesn't care. Mm. He went to the fucking Olympics. He's got Mm. it tattooed on his arm. It's part of his identity. This is the first domino, in my opinion, of many people. And I'm not insinuating that Laurel Hubbard has got, you know, a mental illness or anything like that. But I can't help but think in the back of my mind, there are going to be some failed male athletes right now who never got recognition they needed in life. And they're now going to see gender transition as a pathway to getting the limelight, getting recognition and getting a gold medal. If getting a gold medal to you as a man is more important than values, integrity, and all of this, we are now painting a pathway, potentially for someone, you know, I'm not saying they're all mentally unstable by any means before someone paints that picture. I'm thinking in my head, there's probably a few men out there going, that's what I'm going to do. Then where does it stop? What, are we going to wait till there's 5, 10, 15, 20, 50% contingent of female Olympians at the uh, Olympics, and then we slap on a ban? What's going to happen to the grassroots of Olympians? The women that are weightlifting now, you know, how much work did that 21-year-old who missed out have to do to then find out? And Laurel is a very good weightlifter. When she was a lot younger, I think it was 130 kilogram snatch. 130 kilogram snatch, that's impressive. Maybe 175 kilogram clean and jerk. Once you've done that, been under the bar and had those repetitions with the biology of a male male sex, you are going to keep that even when testosterone is lowered. And for me, it's something where, you know, I don't want to discriminate against Laurel because she has qualified legally, fair and square. But the powers that be, it's, it's almost this conform, it's conforming to this new idealism of, you know, everything that's going on in politics, you know, and... Again, if we're going to be on a touchy subject, gay pride, pride month, for instance, like I want full support, gay communities, LGBTQ plus, 100%. But so many corporations are almost overstepping the line. Like, you know, hey guys, today we're going to be celebrating, you know, gay culture and all of this. And you're like, there's overcompensation from everywhere now. And I don't know firsthand, but I wonder what the gay community feel like with that with the inclusivity, diversity, all of these things. And I know people are feeling it and I know people are talking about it at home with their families and all of this, but no one's putting it into the mainstream media. No one's having these discussions online through fear of being cancelled and fear of being, you know, taken off of social media. And what that does is creates a false narrative where again, with the Laurel Hubbard thing, you look at social media, you go, the world is in agreement with this. It's my most agreed with video I've ever done. And I did not expect to step into the lane of talking about transgender athletes and have the highest majority vote of people agreeing with me that I've ever had on a social media post. Hmm. What do you think the solution is for transgender athletes? Like, Do you think there could be a category? Give them a division. 
say, look, guys, you know, we've got an Olympics for people that, you know, aren't able-bodied, you know, Paralympics, you know, guys go here. You know, this is an opportunity for you to compete with other people that are hindered in whatever way. Then we just create another division. Hey, guys, if you've joined a transition for any reason in your life, we support you. We're here for you. We're now going to create this for you. And you have these new divisions for people that's inclusive. And for them, it might alleviate the guilt. I don't know how Laurel is feeling right now, but if the next Olympics, they go, hey, look, just to let you know, we now have this division here. You're not going to get any stick. You're not going to get any mm. flack from me. You're not going to get any of that. You're going to get support from your communities. Other communities aren't going to, you know, feel the way they do. And one point that I put into this as well was, People go, you're transphobic. I go, I'm thinking about the trans community when I talk about this because we do not want discrimination. We don't want people prejudiced or anything against this community. However, if Laurel Hubbard lifts gold at the Olympics as a transgender athlete, that is not going to sit well with people's perception of the trans community. And they will all be tarred with the same brush, I think. Looking at coming out on that, line on such a touchy subject do you think because you do this quite a lot as far as like you're willing to just say what you want i mean we've talked about that do you think a lot of people play it too safe and suffer because they play it too safe in in social media or speaking out or giving their opinion yeah so the day after i did that video a lot of other personal trainers chirped in with their opinions but it's too late they didn't take the risk or reap the rewards they you know, they're too scared to be the person that goes against the grain. So the first one that gets to that trend gets to win, you know, someone gets that, goes, that's spot on, boom, send it to their friends. If you're the second or third, it's too late. But then again, like, you know, when I when I posted that, I was like, this could go really wrong. This could go really wrong. I did a post a couple of months ago where someone said to me, it's okay for you, you're cisgender, you're white, you're able-bodied, you're straight, and you're male. I was like, yes, I am all of those things. Shit, yeah, you do tick some boxes there. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm fucked. I'm not going to get a TED talk for at least five years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on trend at the moment. I was like, fuck. I was like, what I hated was they were saying that's why I'm where I'm at. And I wasn't saying that there isn't privilege or whatever. You know, my parents being together still has benefited me where I'm at today. I'm not saying that's not a factor. But I kind of said, fuck you. I was like, don't discriminate hard work for privilege i was like it's a bad way to go because if you're bringing up a daughter you're not going to be like babe you would have done so much better if you're a man where we can't be creating these narratives so i kind of said fuck you to that but the internet took that in a way that i completely disregarded privilege and then news.com.au messaged me do you want to comment on this and i was like uh, feels like a trap boom they posted it anyway took the whole instagram post put it on the news website because they wanted to create some controversy and then I start getting all this like hatred from people that don't follow me. And I'm kind of like, ugh, this didn't go as I planned. But at the same time, I had the intention. I was like, I got what I wanted to say off my chest. That's it. And again, even though this random person with that display picture has messaged me from Azerbaijan calling me a prick, they weren't about to buy my book. So it's all right. <laughs> did you ever have a light bulb moment where you did a post and you're like, actually, this is the, this is the line I need to take. This is what's going to make me money. This is what's going to make me successful. No, because it it was never about money or success. I never think that when I do a post. Mm. I just think about engagement, following, 
just the numbers again purely numbers mm. and i was like i want to get new eyes on so i was like again it it never is like oh this post is going to make me a lot of money it's like this post is really going to cultivate and again i think they call it cultivating like gardening when you're like getting the soil mixed and mm. when my following increases the most i lose the most as well so i lose 50 percent of everything i gain so if i gain five thousand followers this week i lose two and a half Really? Yeah, without a doubt. So if I grow 10,000, I lose 5,000. Because in the process of growing that 10,000, I would have been on so many screens, 5,000 people were like, I don't want to see this anymore. Because that's the thing, like the better your content, almost the more you're going to lose people, aren't you? Because you're going to be seen more and people are going to go, fuck, I'm sick of that guy. Yeah, algorithmically, uh, the more successful a post, the more inclined it is to show up on people that were 50-50. And they go, fuck, this guy always on my screen. Fuck off. And mm. I don't say that personally because I do that with people that turn up on mine. I'm like, just piss off. But mm. I mute people because I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. So if I, <laughs> if I like them and they, they've got shit content, I should mute them. Obesity is something that you're, you're quite aggressive about it in a good way, but not in a bad way. So do you think we play it a little bit safe with obesity in the way that we talk about it? Yeah, and I always use the analogy of like a mild rugby coach at Maidenhead dropped me. And I said to him, why have you dropped me? And he goes, you've had the worst game I've seen you play in six, seven months. He goes, I can't believe you played that bad with your parents watching. And Jesus. But Tuesday night, turned up to training. I was there on time, made my tackles, didn't fuck around, hit my lineouts, went home. Like, it was exactly what I needed to hear. Like, I still think to this day he said it because he knew that's what I needed to hear. If he was like, yeah, Smithy, mate, player rotation, I probably would have... Turned up on Tuesday, fucked around, tap tackled people off the ball as per usual, stand on people, undo people's shoelaces at a ruck, you know, like the normal stuff. So, you know, would that have worked on everyone? Not really. But again, if if we're all PG, who's speaking to the people that need to be spoken to like me? Then mm. if there's no voice there, I'll be it. And, you know, if someone's like, oh, he's a bit, he's a bit provocative. Oh, he's a bit loud. He's a bit rude. Well, fuck off to Joe Wicks then. You know, like... <laughs> cool all right you were never right for me anyway they would have joined my program and just complained and left anyway mm. there'd be the, the if you try and get someone who's not right to join your plan they'll complain the most and want refunds so the best way to not deal with them is to not attract them in the first place so you know if i'm like listen mate for the size of a house you need this people like some people that's really rude you, you're not right let's get you out now you know like it's like being on tinder or hinge and a girl going not interested in hookups or hangouts. Oh, fuck off then. You're on the wrong app. <laughs> Let's riddle you out early. I don't want to chat to you for 10, 15 minutes, then find out. <laughs> Do Because there's also a big move with like the, the biggest beautiful thing. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? I did a post on this yesterday uh, again, which was, I, I was, people see through this. And again, you get a, a plus size model, if I'm allowed to say that, to promote a fitness food brand or a fitness outfit brand, everyone in their front room is going, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. Sending it to their friends, can't believe this, you've seen this. Won't comment. Oh, they don't want to comment on that. They get seen like, you know, why is there an obese person in activewear? Like they'll be done. They'll be done if they comment on that. But everyone's talking about it in the back channels. You look at the comments, babe, you're beautiful, you're amazing, all of this. And you're like, okay, cool. How many people truly thought that? I think being generous, 90% of people are like, what is going on? 90% of people are going, what the fuck is going on here? And there's several fitness brands, several brands in general, where you look since, you know, Black Lives Matter, not one white model. And I'm not saying that you need to, like, 
obviously white people have had the majority of these kind of brand deals and everything for, for years on end. But it's so easy to see this as a trend where people are trying to remain relevant, where people are trying to remain um, on point. And it's sad to see because my biggest worry is if you look at this biggest beautiful model who's just been picked for a high paid ad, when she got that phone call, was she thinking I'm being picked to suit the narrative or I'm being picked on merit, on competence, on my ability? Am I being used as a, you know, uh, a chess piece? C9 to B4, we're inclusive. Fitness was far too extreme. Six packs were way overrated. Too many people were taking anabolic steroids and too many people were wearing baby oil for photo shoots. On the way to coming back to normality and where we should have been, we just kept going. And then we got this anti-diet, don't count calories or you get a mental disorder, all of these things. And unfortunately, <laughs> with such sensitive subjects, no one's speaking out. Hmm. You know, Piers Morgan, ostracized, massively ostracized for freedom of speech. Is Piers Morgan a prick sometimes? Yes. <laughs> but ultimately, he was ostracized. You know, you're gone because you said what you what you truly felt was how you felt. And um, I think we're losing that as well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a very one-sided argument. And if you look at social media, you would think that everyone's behind it, but I don't think people are. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You were quite open about the you used roids at one point, eh? Yeah, mate. So about three times I took testosterone for about 12 weeks. First two times, amazing. Third time, didn't feel good. Blood pressure, I was red a lot, couldn't tan. Whether it was the stuff that I bought, stuff I was injecting, just didn't feel great and I came off. Now, being on testosterone is fucking amazing. You're like a dog with two dicks. You like the aggression is like more to kill the day. You get up, you're like, I'm training legs, taking the dog for a walk, gonna read a book, gonna do this, gonna train legs again, gonna take the dog for another walk. But then when you come off, because you can't sustain it for too long, uh, because your body starts down regulating its own production. And testosterone is a really important part of men's health, women's health as well, but men's health. For instance, when I came off and experienced what low testosterone felt like, it's like malaise, it's like flat, lethargic. Like even your drive to attack the day is diminished. And one of the key kind of integral parts of low testosterone in men, lack of sunlight, lack of exercise, being too fat and not sleeping enough. I think there are a lot of men in the UK and the world that neglect their testosterone. They wonder why they're not horny, why they're not feeling like they want to work out, not feeling like a, not. it sounds very cliche, why they're not feeling very masculine. They feel like they've lost something from their 20s. And... Where anabolic steroid use recreationally, I think people need to be really careful with. 
I think we're going to see a slight uptake in the next few years of TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, where men from 35, 40 onwards can get small amounts of testosterone to keep them. You see a decline of about 1% a year after 30 years old. You can keep your weight training up until you're 50, 60, exactly as you are. You're going to be a swole granddad. People are going to be like, yes, I want that. Potentially could have adverse side effects, but you can negate those by being a fit older person. Right. People are very much like, oh, testosterone can be bad for your heart, can be bad for this. Well, if you're going to resistance train for the next 25 years and be active and, you know, fuck your missus loads, I think you'll be fine. I think the repercussions of not doing it are much worse. Um, in the same sense as well, to any female listeners, that when women get to about 50, let's say, they go through menopause. Now, some women much earlier than that, but there's this big issue with hormone replacement therapy. So women have the choice now if they want to have those hormones replaced to carry on being as they were before. And this is about managing their testosterone and other hormones as well. And some people are like, oh, but there's an increased potential chance of breast cancer, which there is, but they can mitigate that. You know, you say to someone, there is an increased chance you'll have that, but I can keep you leaner, in better shape, burning more calories, being more trained, having a better relationship with food, having a better relationship with training, because... When people lose grasp of their ability to train and train well, they don't feel the reason to eat well. They don't feel the reason to go out for a walk. Mm. They don't feel the reason to get sunlight. Testosterone is such a key component, or hormones at these points, such key components to the big picture. And if you kick out the leg from under a table, you're not going to have the stability you need. So recreational steroid use, I'm very glad I got away from it because you're never going to be big enough. You're never going to be juicy enough. Mm. I'm pretty sure Arnold, when he won Mr. Olympia, was still pissed off at his calves. You know, yeah. You've literally got the best physique in the world in the bodybuilding community. I guarantee he still would have been unhappy with some parts. Yeah. It's quite a funny story because you were taking it. You were, you were injecting yourself when you were at your mum and dad's place. Yeah. <laughs> but my mum and dad found out about that. So I said it on a podcast. My sister must have dubbed me in. I'm like in my room. Like, and I've got not much lower back mobility. You have to do your upper outer quadrant of your glute. It's the least vascular point in the body. So you're not going to hit a vein. So you got to go in with the needle and then you've got to pull back a little bit to make sure you're not in a vein. And then you've got to put it in and I'm there. And at the time I was also taking Clenbuterol to help keep my metabolic rate up while I was dieting. I'm getting cramp in my hand. My mum is coming down the end of the house. James, I'm like, oh fuck. I've got cramp in my hand, a needle in my butt. I'm like, what am I doing in my life? I'm there trying to straighten up my fingers because I've got cramp. My mum's about to come into my room. I'm like, oh, I'm getting changed. I've got a fucking needle syringe full of testosterone. I'm like, I don't want to pull it out because I'm already too far on. I'm there and I'm like reaching around. I'm getting cr- like cramp in my pec from where I'm trying to reach and get the plunger so I can put it in. I pull it out. I'm just laying there like a sweaty mess on my bed going, what am I doing in my life? But they find it funny since. It's a pretty good story. It, and like, did it... You were taking it when you were playing rugby as well. Did like did did you ever have times where you like flip out because you're too aggressive? Uh, no, do you know what the the thing was right. I look back now and I think, what was I playing at? I was playing back row. All I needed to do was run, just run, run, run. The only times I missed tackles is when I was tired. Now I know that at 32, I haven't played in four years. But back then, when I was on it, yeah, I was looking good. The traps, delts, arms were massive. I couldn't get around the park. I was blowing all the time. I put on about four kilograms. That's a lot for an 80-minute game of rugby. Mm. So although I looked good in a, in a vest, I was fucking useless. And like, yeah, it, it wasn't ideal. Uh, I don't know what I was playing out. I was training more for insecurities than I was rugby. And like, if I could go back now, I would have just run more. <laughs> I want to talk about um, 
some beef that you've got, some public beef, Joe Wicks. Is that real beef or is that rapper beef? Is that like... Yeah, it's like beef and rappers, to be honest. Like, if I, if I was skateboarding for Richmond, I saw him, I'd be like, oi. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know, I'd shout something, oi, midget trees. And he'd be like, oh, he'd probably know what the fuck. Like, I don't want to fight him. I don't want to do anything. Like, in essence, you need to have an arch rival. And he's an easy target with that. Like, I always say to people, there was always one person in the school playground, you'd flick in the nuts. You know, you just... They'd be like, oh, why'd you do that, mate? You're the, you're the easy target out of the group. He's the guy I flick in the nuts. And the, the genuine kind of reason behind it was he stepped out of his lane and he was like, counting calories is an old school science. Convenient, it's all in the cookbook. I didn't really see the rationale behind his training. I was like, hmm, let's step back for a second. Let's go, what can we sell to everyone? Not gym training, not resistance training. Hit, because everyone can do it. Cool. Where's the one place everyone has? Home. Cool. Food-wise, you know, how can we sell people into this plan? We'll write a plan. Supplements, none of them needed it. My protein, discount code, it's commission code. I was like, this whole scheme's been made to make money. And it's evident because he made a lot of money. And I sat back and I was like, either you're so dumb, you literally don't know what you're doing, or you're so smart, you do know what you're doing. And I was like, none of these are really acceptable. Like, and it, it was just having pops at that. But again, whenever I'd have a pop at him, there'd be all these people coming through. Like, yes. And my biggest pet peeve about the whole thing, when people do plans like his and they don't finish it, they feel like they failed. When I'm like, no, 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 that plan failed you. Like, not many people finish that. And the last point, the caveat of all of it, people can be, they can lack integrity again if you've got 50,000 people doing your plan, it's very easy to skim the top 0.1% for hyper-responders. Anything you do, you'll have hyper-responders. He will have enough people to have nine grid posts a day of your top 0.1%. And that is what is put out there to sell more copies, sell more plans. I don't believe he wrote the kickbooks. I don't believe he has the knowledge to do the wean in 15. So I think that really he's a branded face on ghostwritten books. And I'm someone that operates a, a cog social media machine where I run a business and I can spot when a lot of other decisions are made purely to make money. Mm. Sometimes a, an undertone of admiration, but I was like, for me, I know there's going to be a time where I'm not relevant in the fitness industry anymore. I'll be an old name. Like, they'll be like, oh, I remember that guy from back in the day. But my sole purpose would be to leave the fitness industry in a better place than I found it. And I look at him and I'm like, you kind of left it in a worse place than you found it. Do you think he misleads his followers for financial gain? No, I think his team does. Really? I think he's a puppet. Like, and that's why I don't have a problem with him that much. And I, do you know what? The more I've kind of understood his systems, the more I feel sorry for him. Because I think that he has a team of very intelligent people behind him that know exactly what they need to do to cultivate the biggest kind of amount of financial gain. And he's the one that's going to get all the recognition, but he's also the one that's going to get the most shit. Mm. And I kind of feel sorry for him for about that because when enough money is put in front of you or people sign off deals, like, oh, Joe, you're doing this tomorrow. Oh, Joe, you're doing this. Oh, Joe, we need you here. I don't think he has time of day to really think about it or care about it that much. He's got a big business, eh? Like Very he's, big. What, what's he worth, like 15 mil plus or something? Maybe even more. There was a time he was doing a million pound a month. Really? Yeah. And, um, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you're servicing your clientele well, I think there's just probably been some poor ethical decisions on the way. Uh, I think... 
ultimately, you know, I could be wrong saying this. This is a massive assumption on my behalf. If you were to take 100,000 of my clients and 100,000 of his and say, you know, what did you learn from mine? What did you learn from his? Mine are more qualified than most PTs because I've told them everything I would teach them as a PT of nearly 10 years. With his, they learn how to put the right spices in a pan and how to jump around the front room like a cunt. So, you know, it's like a driving instructor taking you around Silverstone and getting out and going, cheers, see you later. Are they the main differences between you guys? Just Pretty just, much. Yeah. And about 40 kilograms. You um, you reached out to him once, didn't you? Didn't you write yeah, him? I emailed him about six years ago. I was giving him a bit of shit. I said, you never get put down by people above you in life. So that's that was me playing my card. <laughs> <laughs> Did, had, he heard, had he heard what you were saying or was that... Do you know what? I don't even think he probably puts his ear to his socials that much. Really? Yeah, I genuinely, he might do. Um, but again, if he is intelligent, he knows what, he will know what I'm doing. Mm. And again, it's to cultivate my following and his following just become even stronger and hate me even more. And that's fine. Mm. Like, you know, two political parties going head to head. No one's like, fucking hell, I've seen the Conservatives and the Labour Party. That's mental. That's mental. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, how, how, could, how could two completely different people in the same fitness industry coexist without beef? Yeah. Because he's been quite well received through lockdown and stuff over here. Yeah. But then again, there's uh, they, these are ploys. Like he was raking it in on YouTube so they gave some to charity. Like there are always concerns of how your, your, your success has to be managed with really careful PR. Because if you earn really good money, people go, wait, what's going to charity? But before the questions arise, you put it in their face. Guys are doing this to raise money for charity. Mm. You make 150,000 subscribers in a week. You pay charity for one week, then you keep the subscribers and you sell them your, your new book and your new plan. The Smart. way it's calculated is so well. Smart. Publishers, book publishers and TV media are very closely correlated. That's how I get all my TV gigs. No one wants to have me on TV, but HarperCollins have to nudge them. So when Joe's got books that his TV presence is going to sell books. Me being on Good Morning Britain did about 10,000 hardbacks in five minutes. Really? Yeah, so like the TV presence is mad. Hey, wait till wait till this episode comes yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so like the TV presence, everything, then suddenly the better he was doing in lockdown, the more TV were pushing it. And like, it, it was funny because again, to a lot of the UK, it was a bit of a laughing stock, um, but it was bringing in money. So his team would have told him to keep going. Yeah, I watched an episode of him, obviously doing my research for this. I watched the episode of him um, last night. I can't work out if he's a genius or, or if he's really, things like, really dumb. I think he's like a British Britney Spears. Yeah. I reckon he's smarter. I reckon he's smarter than what we think, hey. But anyway. I've never called him a British Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about your live shows. You must be pretty pumped about that. Yeah, so like uh, Luke, who uh, helped organise today, um, I said to him, I, go, I was like what's the average attendance? Because we did a tour three, four years ago where like we'd go to Maidstone, I'd have 60 people in the crowd. And it's like a, a theater that can hold 400. You got 60 there. And like we knew from the beginning that we were working to build towards bigger events. At the time, I, I didn't care. I was like, fuck it. I was buzzing. I had a bottle of gin in my rider in the, in the back. We go into the back room. I was like, whose gin's this? They're like, that's yours. I was like, shut up. I was like, we've got our own gin in the back. Like, this is amazing. Duran's like, bruv, there's a fridge in here. Like, so we did all those small shows. We did all of the ones going around. We've done two tours in Australia. And I said, Luke, I was like, what's our average attendance? He was like about 1,200 people to each event. I was like, fuck. I was like, no way. But I love the talks. I love doing the events for people that don't really understand. Like, 
it will start off with a bit of a really good opening from Dylan, my best mate, who roasts me. Mm. Where you, you in the first tour, he roasted me, so he'd come out. We're at Clapham Ground. Dylan looks over to my publishers and goes, "Where's my book then?" And he goes, "To be fair, if I was born into white privilege, I'd have a book too." And like it's all this kind of banter, so everyone's like really warmed up. But then with this, there are so many salient points in the book that I want to get across. I come out and I put them into context, which is so different to the book, where they might have read it and gone, oh, that's interesting. But I'm like, no, 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 let's revisit that right now and really get you thinking about it. And it gives me the the opportunity to interact with the crowd, have some feedback, have some fun, have a laugh, tell some stories, and um, ultimately give them a net benefit position when they leave. Because if someone's paying £35, let's say, for a ticket to an event, I want them to leave and go, fuck, I would have paid five to six times that, 10 mm. times that. That's what I want them to feel like. Same way with the Academy or the book. Someone goes, oh, I'm thinking about buying your book. I'm like, listen, mate, it's six months work for a fucking tenner. You can afford it. Like, like hiring me for an hour now or even back in the day, I'd never done a PT session before and I charged four times what a book costs. I didn't know my ass from my elbow. So like, I'm always so keen and eager that people feel like they're getting their money's worth. So the events is really fun opportunity to do that so when you when you're getting up so you you do uh you darren is it darren or darren like kieran with the d okay so when darren gets up he does a spiel then you get up you do a spiel and then the audience do they interact so we um in the old shows we used to have darren then me then we'd have like an interactive q a for years i grew the social media platform doing interactive q a's with the audience like through facebook and instagram uh we've removed that a bit for the second show but like Towards the end, after we'd had the serious part, Darren would be in amongst the crowd. Girls would be grabbing his bum and stuff. like, And it'd be really joking. Everyone's drinking in the crowd. Everyone's having a laugh. We don't really rehearse anything that goes on. So it's very spontaneous. And it's just fun. I think that there's something different when you're in the room with people. Mm. And we definitely play off that. And people can get tickets from jamesmith.life. Yes. Cool. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Cheers. Thank you for having me. And if you want to hear more from James, his podcast is a great listen. His books are a great read. And you can check out jamesmithacademy.com if you want to get in good nick. And thanks for listening. If you like this interview, make sure you leave us a review. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.